listening to the Dr. Claude Kirshner Show. My name is Dr. Claude Kirshner, and we are here to serve organizational leaders and agile teams who strive for excellence and differentiation. I hope you enjoy the content. If you have any questions or would like some additional resources, please visit our website at www.archconsults.com. Enjoy. Technical skill is making the product. The conceptual skill is designing the strategy. The manager, the entrepreneurial manager is what we hope that you all will start to adopt as we start thinking about strategy. There are tons of inputs in the process of entrepreneurship within your business. The environment we talked about, which is a huge catalyst to future strategy. The entrepreneur, who are you? What are your core competencies? What do you enjoy? What do you think you're good at? Where do you want to be? How, what, what kind of business do you want to create? What resources do you have? What is your business concept? Is it scraping gum off the, the side of the, the street and trying to sell that for cash? Or is it designing the next space shuttle to Mars? These are two formidably different concepts that are going to adopt formidably different strategies. I fundamentally believe in the transformational power of entrepreneurship. And today we're going to talk about one of my passions, which is strategic entrepreneurship and growth. I start off with a quote, a gentleman named Danny Miller. He pioneered this concept of entrepreneur orientation, which is one of the most highly researched subject matters in entrepreneurship. And he says that an entrepreneurial firm is one that engages in product market innovation, undertakes somewhat risky ventures, and is first to come up with proactive, proactive innovations, beating competitors to the punch. A non-entrepreneurial firm is one that innovates very little, is highly risk-averse, and imitates the moves of competitors instead of leading the way. When we look at the entrepreneurial process, the entrepreneurship as a process, what's so nice is that it is a process and we could break it down into steps, which means that it can be taught. But where we're at in this process, in this conversation, is past the identifying an opportunity, past developing a concept and business model. We can always move back there, obviously, when we're using strategy and, and innovation. But really where we're at right now is the implement, manage, and grow phase. So in our mind, if you haven't already started the venture, picture yourself in the, the driver's seat of this venture a year from now when we have this conversation. Or if you've started the venture, obviously, this will apply immediately to you. So we're leaving this customer discovery, customer validation phase. We, we've established a product market fit. There's a service that customers are willing to pay for. And we're moving to this execution understanding. So now, unfortunately, and we'll, we'll hone in on this big time, is when companies move away from this entrepreneurial mindset of creating the venture, finding the product market fit, and bringing it to a place of industry, Sometimes the entrepreneurial instinct leaves them because now we have to systemize, systematize, we have to set up structures, we have to have a, a hierarchy, we have to create processes, and uh, the entrepreneurial nature leaves the organization. But what I'm going to assert is that we need to do just the opposite when we're thinking about customer creation and company building, um, and certainly when we think about something called the external environment. Uh, there will be opportunities where we will look internally at our organization, but I want to make sure we all understand the difference. Uh, sometimes businesses, when they get to a certain level, they're very internally focused on the day-to-day, -day, the customers, the needs, the issues within the organization. 
But where most of the change happens, most of the what we're calling turbulence and complexity happens in the external environment. This is the nature of strategy is understanding the future needs of our organization to adapt to the external circumstances of the future. I believe, and, and a lot of other people believe too, that things are only going to get more turbulent and more complex uh, with technology, with customer needs, with the global environment, legal and regulatory concerns. We have to, as entrepreneurs, understand and study these trends and needs. So the question is, when you look out the next 10 years with your organization or within your industry, what do you expect? Kind of pause on that for a second. How can we continue to delight and amaze our customers? More change or less change? What is your response to the external pressures on your organization or your startup or your idea? And what does that look like? If external is changing, the internal strategy needs to change. An ongoing change. Is it the right fit? Is it the right structure? Is it the right strategy? Is it the right process? So what is strategy? I'll talk about an example within my company. I talked to a gentleman named Shep Murray, who I run a pool business, or I used to run a pool business. Now I just own a portion of it. And Shep Murray is the owner of a company called Vineyard Vines. And Vineyard Vines is very successful. And he has three properties at a very uh, prestigious country club in Ocean Reef. And he was on the phone with me one time, and this was about six years ago. And he said to me, Claude, this was after we did something wrong to his pool or he was upset with his landscaping. Who knows? He said, Claude, you are not in the service business. You are in the hospitality industry. And it shifted the way that I thought about our strategy. From that point forward, we adopted a customer retention and a customer loyalty strategy, which meant that when a customer called and had an issue, uh, we were willing to give them a credit. We were willing to go the extra mile to ensure that we retain their business as pool service customers because we looked at something called the lifetime value of a customer. And a lot of our decisions were based on keeping our existing customers. We didn't focus a ton of our attention in the later years of our business of getting new customers. We knew that if we kept our existing customers, that they would spread the word and we would increase our customer base that way. So a lot of our decisions, we didn't we didn't invest in... Um, search engine optimization marketing. We didn't invest in uh, print advertising. We invested in the quality of service offering that we were delivering to our customers. So with that being said, with that example, a strategy is a plan of action that describes resource allocation and activities for dealing with the environment, achieving a competitive advantage, and attaining goals. Questions to ask yourself. What businesses should I be in? How could I create value in these businesses? We'll talk about something called competencies, your personal competencies, your, your entrepreneurial competencies, and your core competencies of your organization. What are you good at that others aren't? What can you specialize in so that you can beat your competition? How will this value be superior to that created by other companies or standalone businesses? What kind of systems and structures do you have or processes do, do you have, do I have to achieve a targeted value? I love how this explains strategy. It says a well-formulated strategy helps to marshal and allocate an organization's resources into a unique and viable posture, posture in your business, picture that, 
based upon its relative internal competencies, what we're good at, skills, and shortcomings, what we're not good at, anticipated changes in the environment and contingent moves by its intelligent opponents. I wouldn't I'd be remiss if in this call I said, you need to focus on a customer retention strategy, or you need to focus on a cost control strategy, or you need to focus on your marketing strategy, or your finance strategy. That's good. That's going to be the strategy that helped you because you need to adapt your strategy based on your competencies and your resources that you have within your organization. That is critical to understand when we are moving towards strategy. If we had if we didn't have enough customers to support a, a decent lifestyle for the entrepreneurs when we we're running this pool company, our strategy would have been to pick up more cu more customers, which we had in the beginning phases of our business. But once we attracted enough customers and we did the calculation of lifetime value of these customers, we realized we needed to shift our strategy to a customer retention strategy. This is just these are just some things to consider when we talk about strategy. It's a loaded conversation. So an entrepreneurial strategy, which is the reason why I'm standing up. The reason why I'm excited and trying to contain my excitement, but there is a famous band. Uh, maybe you remember them. I'm sure some people on this call will called the Grateful Dead. In the Grateful Dead, they had a revolutionary business model. They they did things differently in the music industry and the entertainment industry that no other bands were doing. And when TMZ was interviewing Jerry Garcia, he had this unbelievable quote that said, "You know, people ask what." You know, how are you, how are you different than others? Or how, how are you so successful? What are you doing? And Jerry Garcia says, we don't want to be the best of the best. We want to be the only ones who do what we do. This in nature was the mindset and the mentality that went into the strategy of the Grateful Dead. Southwest Airlines, very similar, an entrepreneurial strategy. Most airlines like American Airlines and United, they have this hub and spoke system. Southwest Airlines got rid of that. You can fly direct with Southwest. You don't need to go through Atlanta or wherever hub. They have no seat assignments. When you're flying Southwest, you do not need to figure out where you're going to sit. You just go right to your seat. And the, the ability of people to sit down quicker, you'd be amazed. One kind of aircraft, no travel agents, no co-sharing with other airlines. They turned their planes around two times as fast, dramatically lower cost, and they made a profit for 35 straight years because of this entrepreneurial strategy. What I'm telling you, what I'm hoping you understand by what I started with is that the only strategy to employ that's going to be effective continually and provide you with a sustainable competitive advantage is harnessing your unique nature of entrepreneurial mindset and thinking to have an entrepreneurial strategy within your company, a flexibility, adaptability, speed, aggressiveness, and innovation. These are key words that I hope you're applying in every single thing that you do. And we're going to break down some of the stuff you do as well so that we can understand it together. Harvard Business Review wrote a great article called Speed as Strategy. If you're walking down the street with a entrepreneur and we notice a shop window, uh, likely what this entrepreneur will die to tell me is that the shop window is not designed efficiently, that the lighting should be different, that it can be utilized better. Uh, and then if you walk a, a block further, the entrepreneur is going to tell you that you know, the way in which the government picks up trash in this neighborhood is inefficient. They can be doing it much more better. This is something we call a healthy dissatisfaction. Don't ever lose this as an entrepreneur. It's going to be a part of your strategy. The at-risk company is the company that is not prepared for the entrepreneurial strategy. There is no sustainable competitive advantage without strategic entrepreneurship. Sustainable competitive advantage is what is needed. It, it's needed to be an ongoing, adaptable way to take your business, to change it, to innovate it, to take risks, and to be proactive with how you deliver a service and delight and amaze 
your customers. So let's talk about some examples. The first thing I want you to do, and you can do it now if you'd like, as I'm talking, whatever you desire, is to look at your operating model. What is your operating model, you say? Well, your operating model, conveniently, some of the components of it I've laid out here on this slide. I know I say focus on the external environment because that's important, and we're going we're gonna to transition that into this discussion soon. But in order to effectively compete, we have to understand how are we currently doing it, and what are some ways we can reduce unit costs? What are some ways we could standardize our process? What are some ways that we can increase our capacity, and how can we go about doing this? Uh, the example that we use is there's a, a entrepreneur, great entrepreneur, Tando. His name is Tando, and he lives in South Africa. And there was a team of consultants that went over to South Africa to help him. He was very, very good at making paper. And he would go down to the river, and he would cut his raw materials from this grass. He would bring it back to his shop. He had two day laborers, which essentially he paid cash. And they would, or Tando would, run this process of turning this raw material into paper. And the awesomeness of the consultants, uh, we were able to get them a distribution channels. We were able to set them up in a couple retail stores. We thought this was great and Tondo could put his product in his retail stores. The retail stores can sell it. This is going to be good for the business. Go back to the United States, come back, and we find out that Tondo is not doing so well because Tondo is not still selling in those three retail stores. He lost two contracts and he's about to lose a third. And the reason why is because Tondo process was in his head. Tondo was very good at the, the task, the tactical aspects of his business. He was doing a lot of the work himself. And I'm sure that there are a lot of entrepreneurs here that can understand as well. And he didn't have his process laid out, which inherently conflicted the way in which he delivered his service. It created capacity constraints. So what the consultants did that year, where they laid out something called a operating process, they detailed the operating process. And within that operating process, they called out areas that were quality control. They called out areas where you can save costs. They called out areas that uh, you can increase capacity. And they wrote it all down and they were able to train more people on how to do it. This allowed Tondo, who had this uh, gregacious personality, to be out there looking for more distribution as opposed to being the person that was wearing the gloves and the hat and doing the work himself. It revolutionized the way that he was able to deliver his services and his strategy changed. So I want you all to do that as well. Innovativeness as it applies to process, strategy as it applies to process. One of the biggest ways, instead of you know corporate entrepreneurship, we talk a lot about diversification as a strategy, globalization as a strategy, and just from a corporate perspective, managerial strategy. Uh, these are great and they work as we grow and scale our companies, but as a smaller entity, the process, the innovativeness as it applies to process is everything when it comes to strategy. Can we create new processes within our strategy, minor new processes, major new processes, significant revisions of existing processes, modest improvement to existing processes? Can we outsource processes? Do we need to do the things that we do today all the time? Can we find a way to do it with better quality, less unit costs, less inventory, and less risk? These are the questions to ask ourselves as we formulate our strategy. And, and our strategy needs to think about the example I gave in the pool industry when I talked about how with Shep Murray that we were trying to deliver better service. We we're trying to have a customer retention strategy and a loyalty strategy. So we're creating more value for our customers. If your strategy isn't creating more value, it's probably not a good strategy. Value comes from an offering and the customer's interactions with your organization. Interactions depend on processes and people. That's why we looked at our processes. 
a picture of how you actually create value each day is important to understand. And when we talk about our a core competency, these are things like Tondo was really, really good at how he cut this raw material and how he created this paper. And he had a great personality where when tourists come to South Africa, uh, you're going to want a South African created organic paper product. It is obvious. So he, his core competencies were his excitement about his business, his end product, his quality, uh, the, the, the means in which he was able to distribute it. He had key things that he was good at. Those are his core competencies. Was he really good at social media marketing? Was he really good at public speaking? He wasn't good at these things. So why would he design a strategy around those things? So these are questions that you're going to have to ask yourself. And these are only questions that you can answer. But an entrepreneur has competencies, has skills. You want to be a visionary, an opportunity seeker, creator, an innovator, calculator, risk taker, resource leverager, a guerrilla thinker, a change agent, an adaptive implementer of new ideas. This is entrepreneurial thinking and acting. What's your desire for growth? What's your ability to manage growth? Entrepreneurs are often lousy managers. Do you agree or disagree? Growth places unique demands on what might otherwise be good managerial skills. Short of cash, everything is always changing, employees, culture, customers, logistics, requirements, etc. Letting go and holding on at the same time. Technical versus conceptual skills. Technical skill is making the product. The conceptual skill is designing the strategy. The manager, the entrepreneurial manager is what we hope that you all will start to adopt as we start thinking about strategy. There are tons of inputs in the process of entrepreneurship within your business. The environment we talked about, which is a huge catalyst to future strategy. The entrepreneur, who are you? What are your core competencies? What do you enjoy? What do you think you're good at? Where do you want to be? How, what, what kind of business do you want to create? What resources do you have? What is your business concept? Is it scraping gum off the, the side of the, the street and trying to sell that for cash? Or is it designing the next space shuttle to Mars? These are two formidably different concepts that are going to adopt formidably different strategies. What's the organizational context? So just here are some ideas uh, to create if you have employees or you're thinking about in the future. An entrepreneurship structure. This is a structure is a part of your strategy. What kind of structure are we going to have in order to uh, create value for our customers? And think about how many levels should there be in an organization? How many employees do you have? What are your employees capable of doing? What should be the targeted apron of control? So I just say apron as a, you know, the the uh, covering of control. Are you sharing information with your staff members? How centralized or decentralized should operations be? How formal or informal should structural relationships be? Look at the structure differently. Flatter, broader, and delegation empower people. There's a gentleman named Ed Stack from Dick's Sporting Goods, an amazing value-driven leader. And what he explained to us is that Dick's Sporting Goods um, has this structure where he's at the bottom of the structure. He is the, you know, he's a servant leader. So he's at the bottom of the structure and it looks like a diamond. And on the sides are, you know, the managers and the executives. The executives are obviously lower than the managers, higher up in a sense than the managers. And then the staff, the frontline staff, the, the ones who interact with what he calls the athlete are at the top. So how he portrays how his company is operating and what he invests a lot of time and energy into is the people that are at the top, the ones closest to the athletes should be doing most of the talking. What do these customers want? The athlete is the most important person in the structure, the customer essentially. The next most important people in the structure are the ones that are interfacing with 
the athlete, with the customer. They should be giving feedback to the managers. The managers should be then giving as much feedback as possible to the executives. And um, Ed Stack says at, at his position as the CEO, he should be doing the least amount of talking and the most amount of listening. I thought that was a profound and interesting way to create a structure as an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship, human resource management. How do we set goals? How do we design jobs? How do we write jobs? A creative job writing process. How do we hire people? How do we train and develop people? How do we evaluate employees? How do we compensate employees? This area here, if you're really looking for a strategy and you're looking for good people to join your team, is one of the, the most cost-effective and, and the most enjoyable aspect, hopefully, of what you can do. You can write a really, really awesome job description. Even if it's picking up trash on the side of the street, you can make it sound amazing. And you can bring people in and you can uniquely incentivize them to do it well. And you can demonstrate to them that you care about their growth in an organization and that you are an entrepreneurial company and you want to adopt some of their thinking and some of their philosophies and experience into the operations of the organization. That's going to help you find quality employees. So go celebrate entrepreneurship in front of others. When people make mistakes around you, when employees make mistakes, are they criticized for the mistakes that they make? Are they condemned for failing? Or do you um, understand that this is the, the path that you want. These, this strategy of entrepreneurial thinking within our organization, that flexibility, agility, um, incentivizing people appropriately, this is a part of what we do. So what do we mean by growth? We want to grow, right? Hopefully we all do, but maybe some of us don't. The real essence of growth, and I, I highlighted it here on this slide, is organization performance, effectiveness. How well are we accomplishing our goals? Efficiency, how well are we utilizing our resources to accomplish our goals? Our stakeholder satisfaction, how satisfied are we as the entrepreneurs? How satisfied are our wives? How satisfied are our husbands? How satisfied are our customers? How satisfied are our employees? This is organization performance, but it can be measured through some of these variables that I put down here. These variables down here are not an indicator of success, but they are growth metrics that we can use to hopefully decide whether or not you know what we're doing is, is good or bad. So revenue, do we have new revenue drivers? Are we creating new ways to, to make money? Um, lots of examples are, you know, if you're in the business of dog sitting, could you provide, uh, sell a product of uh, a dog food that you recommend? Could you um, figure out how to add an, an additional, uh, you know, do you cut dogs' nails? Do you exercise the dogs differently. While you have the dog in your possession, what else are you doing with that dog to create more revenue for your organization? Market share, existing markets and new markets. How much of, are you measuring how big your market is, the total available market? Are you breaking that down? And how much of that market do you have? And are you capturing more of it? And also, are there completely new markets that you can dive into? So an example would be if you're in the business of, of coaching uh, kids on how to swim, like you're in the swimming uh, industry and you swim training industry. And you realize that in the swim training industry, there's only so much you can do physically in bricks and mortar training the kids on how to swim. But you decided to move towards the educational industry online and you you, you wrote a book or you uh, created a podcast and you started selling things differently in an educational market and not just uh, training people how to swim. That's Those are new markets. Uh, there's a great book called Blue Ocean Strategy about new markets and I highly recommend it. Uh, customer growth, another way to measure how we're doing as far as performance and, and how our strategy is being executed and ways to grow our business. Um, churn. I was embarrassed. I didn't know what churn was 
uh, when I was being questioned by private equity once they came into our organization because we just called it lost customers. You know, we didn't understand churn. So anyways, just a quick note. But churn essentially is if, if you have 100 customers in February, how many customers do you then have in March? And what's the difference? So if you had 100 customers in February and then you had 90 customers in March, your churn would be 10% churn, which you want churn to be low. Churn, you can have a, which is essentially a retention strategy, but the other way around. You want to have low churn. Therefore, you're going to have to do certain things to keep quality, keep uh, loyalty programs in order to keep customers engaged. You're going to have to um, compete maybe on pricing and, and create a better value. You're going to have to offer more value to your customers uh, consistently. You have to deliver on good customer service, make sure people are picking up the phone and putting out work tickets as quick as possible. Uh, that's a, a growth, customer growth strategy. Profit. Profit is an indicator that you're either doing something right or you're doing something wrong. It's not always a success variable. You think about nonprofit organizations, they're not always uh, contingent upon making a profit because you could just be looking for effectiveness or you could be looking for exposure or awareness. Um, but most companies, most businesses are profit-driven. So profit is a great indicator. If you have good profit, high, mar high profit margin, you're doing something right. Keep doing it. If you have break-even, you probably need to change a few things. If you have negative profit, you need to change a lot. So it's an indicator of what needs to change within the organization. That's kind of how I look at profit. Okay, so entrepreneurial growth and quality of life. As you grow, if you grow, we have to understand that things are going to change and we have to know how to adapt. And the quality of life doesn't always improve as our company grows. So that's why we have to think about strategy, but the ability to adapt. Great quote by Peter Drucker says, when a new venture does succeed, more often than not, it is in a market other than the one it was intended to serve with products and services, not quite those with which it has set out bought in large part by customers it did not even think of when getting started and used for a host of purposes besides the ones for which the products were designed. Interesting quote. Revenue growth. Examples. HVAC company comes in and wants to, uh, you, you change out an air conditioning and that same HVAC company very well could offer a quarterly preventative maintenance on the system. Creative way to grow revenue. Uh, Duolingo. I have never paid Duolingo once in my life a single dollar but their revenue model is a freemium model. They offer services, they offer this product for free and they're constantly advertising to me where they have an advertising revenue, I'm sure. But they're wanting me to sign up for you know $25 a month for me to learn Spanish when I can do it for free. GoDaddy sells websites, but in addition to selling website hosting and domains, they also sell website design services. Create unique ways to grow your revenue. Customer growth. This is a great get, keep and grow customer. As you acquire more customers, it's important to understand the difference between acquisition and activation. Customers may come into the funnel, but you want to capture them with a, a charge, a bill, a invoice. You want cash to be in your bank account at some point. So you can acquire them. They could come into your store, which is, hey, you made it here. Something worked in my retail store or the marketing, whatever that looked like, but they didn't buy anything. So that's the difference between acquire and activate. And once you activate them, you want to keep them. And as you're keeping your customers, you're providing good service, outreach programs, you then want to upsell those customers on additional services, whatever. So in the, in the pool industry, we would, we would capture customers and we would sell them on annual preventative maintenance, which was 400 bucks a, a year. We'd go out there, change filter, filter elements, change cartridge elements within their, their heating and filtration system within their pool. We would also, if we had them captured as a maintenance, a pool maintenance customer, we would sell them. Uh, renovation services. So every you know eight years, the material on your pool surface tends to expire and you need new pool service material. 
Uh, it's an aggregate finish. We call it Pebble Tech Diamond Bright, whatever it looks like. So we would upsell them on that. And then obviously we would ask for referrals. As we're doing that project, we would put something out to say, hey, done by Reef Tropical, and we would move forward. So profit growth. Examples, that there's a company called uh, Case Epic. It's a mountain bike race or was a mountain bike race. And they would have these major events every year. And they would solicit registrations online months and months and months before the event. So let's just say they, they have most of the registrations in about eight months before the event starts. So they, they're cash heavy and they're capable of utilizing that cash uh, as profit, as reserves. And they're capable of taking their vendors and extending the vendor terms out a decent amount of time so that the vendors are not paid. The vendors are paid with the next year's cash flow, if that makes sense. So what they're capable of doing with that cash when they have it up front in a creative way is they're capable of investing into their, their organization and paying for employees and quality. And they're capable of, even if you just keep that money in the bank account for an extended period of time, you can earn interest on it, which is a revenue source for them. So the ways in which you, you utilize your cost structure and how you, you know, do, do I lease versus buy? How do I look at my costs and how do I get creative with ways to um, reduce some of those costs. So Banana Republic was really good at negotiating with suppliers. And, and I hope that you all are confident with understanding that suppliers want to supply you with whatever it is that they, they service. And everything is negotiable, especially if you're dealing with a smaller business. So look for supplier terms and ways to improve your costs. It's a academic terminology. And hopefully we can figure out ways to apply this to your business. Um, new to the world products and services. Products and services have never existed before. Space travel. Uh, get into a habit of writing down opportunities on a daily basis in the morning. It really helps. New to the market products. The Uber is a great example of ways in which people, you know, take taxi cabs and utilize cars. And uh, grocery stores is a great example. There are the online shopping is different. It's the same same market, but different way of delivering a service. New product, service lines in the company, additions to product, service lines, product improvements. We talked about process improvement. You can also do product improvements, new applications for existing products and services, repositioning existing product or service. So an example of that would be, how do I, so Foot Locker is a great example where you have Foot Locker, which sells shoes, and then you reposition a portion of Foot Locker shoes as ladies' Foot Lockers. So you specialize in just ladies' shoes, uh, which is wild, but you reposition an existing product. Repositioning existing price and then cost reductions for existing uh, products. We talked a little bit about that. These are growth strategies. So innovation. Innovation is a big one. As entrepreneurs, creativity, innovation, and entrepreneurship. Innovation is a major catalyst to our ability to capitalize on the agility and the flexibility of being entrepreneurs. New to the world, products or services, new to the market, new to the firm, additions to lines, product improvement uh, revisions, new applications, repositioning, cost reductions. The example I'm going to give for innovation, if the example was, and, and this is a, a famous example of using the metaphor of a person that is going up to the plate in baseball, and asking them, you know, what, what are they thinking about when they get up to the plate? And the answer to the question, if some of you have played baseball out there, is they're thinking about, okay, their mechanics and where they're standing, where their foot is postured. And once they get ready to think about, man, I, I really want to get a hit because I want to have a good batting average. And the essence of innovation is the opposite of that. In innovation, we don't want to think through mechanics as much. And we want to get up to the plate and we want to swing at as many balls as we possibly can because as we swing at these balls, we have more opportunities to innovate. We're more 
agile, we're, we're more creative. We're flexing and practicing the innovation muscle. And I think the other cat, the other aspect of that story is when a batter comes up to the plate in the beginning of the season, if they get two or three hits out of, you know, uh, five, their batting average is really good. So they're, you know, I'm just not going to swing the, swing the bat anymore because the innovation or the, the hits that I, I created have now produced a quality output. So I'm done innovating. That is not what we're trying to do. So I wouldn't be a, a university professor unless I provided you with a you know, two by two matrix. This is a growth strategy matrix, new markets, current markets, current products, new products, ways in which we can diversify, uh, penetrate new markets, market penetration, market development, alternative channels, and product development. So alternative channels, an example would be fresh cut flowers. If you are utilizing the service of fresh cut flowers the way I'm utilizing the service, if you go to the store, if you go to a flower store and you buy flowers and you bring them home and I give them to my wife, my wife loves me for a couple of days, but after a couple of days, the flowers die and she doesn't love me anymore. So a great way in which a new channel was produced is an online retailer just would capture the customer and then they would go straight to the suppliers, the ones who actually cut the flowers from the field and in the field, they would ship those flowers directly to the customer, which decreased the shelf time of those flowers, which increased the shelf life of the flowers sitting on my countertop, making my wife happy. New channel, amazing. Drone delivery is another one, uh, you know, just as, as an example. And how, how are restaurants using these drones uh, to deliver their, their, their goods to the customer? How does the product get from our company to the customer? Creative creative thoughts. The music industry is a, is a great example on how that has changed through the innovation of iTunes. Just another channel as opposed to going to Virgin Records to buy a CD, <laughs> if you guys know what that is. And I, and I want to do the best I can to drill home this concept of strategy as entrepreneurship, strategic entrepreneurship. And some examples are, you know, there, there's something called the frequency of entrepreneurship. How often are we creating? How often are we trying things new? How often are we getting outside of our daily operations and working on the business and tweaking things strategically in order to capitalize and create more value? That's the frequency of entrepreneurship. Then you have the degree of entrepreneurship is how revolutionary are these uh, inventions that we have? How creative and, and amazing are they? And you know, I promise you that there was a speaker, I forget her name, that came to the Christmas party and she delivered an excellent presentation. And I promise you that she wasn't doing those excellent transformational presentations five years ago or two years ago, that she decided that she was going to utilize this as a catalyst for her degree of change. She, she, she did things differently. The way in which she presented was different. How often is she taking that same presentation and trying new things with it? How often is she doing a five-minute clip? And maybe she's presenting here and over there. And how often does that happen? That's the frequency of entrepreneurship. And then the degree of entrepreneurship is now she's doing a presentation on the side of Mount Kilimanjaro. Whoa, did you see that? That is a phenomenal, that is a, a huge undertaking that is transformational in the field of presentations. So when we look at that, we're looking at the frequency of entrepreneurship and degree of entrepreneurship. Where do you fit on this map? If you can see the second one, uh, we look at certain companies. If you look at Wendy's, Wendy's has an entrepreneurial, you know, uh, corporate strategy of changing and innovating often, but it's incremental. They might have, you know, instead of a, a regular burger, it's a Buffalo burger. Instead of American cheese, it's spicy cheese. So it's very small, incremental, and they don't do it very often. Nucor Steel, another example is they don't change very often. But when they do change, it's revolutionary. It, it dynamically changes the way in which steel 
the industry of steel is done. 3M, which is a really creative company uh, and, and entrepreneurial, and they design their whole strategy around being creative and entrepreneurial, a company that incentivizes people based on new ideas, new innovation. So they build the strategy of innovation into the company. And you can do that as well. Uh, there's some other examples on a Procter Gamble and Level 3 Communications. And then the one all the way to the right are just some people who have adopted. I mean, think about Richard Branson. He does all sorts of crazy entrepreneurial endeavors often, but a lot of them aren't you know, groundbreaking and transformational, but Steve Jobs is. He doesn't do as many, but when he does it, he does it unbelievably. And same with Bill Gates. Bill Gates kind of falls right in the middle of that, all the aspects of the table, but it talks specifics about market penetration, market development, alternative channels, product development, new products for new customers and integration. These are the different strategies and, and the characteristics of these strategies. But what I really want to drive home is understanding the nature of entrepreneurial strategy, understanding your resources and how your resources funneled into your strategy are critical for your ability to have a competitive advantage. That's huge. Who am I? What am I good at? Okay. What resources do I have? Okay. What strategy am I going to adopt based on who I am and what resources I have in order to be the most effective to deliver value to my customers. That's really the biggest takeaway I hope that you can have. And hopefully you were able to, to have some ideas as to how you're going to deliver some of those strategies or some creative ways that you can adopt the things I said into your daily business. And if you have these ventures, you have goals and you have plans, I ask you to look into milestones, your revenue growth milestone, your profitability milestones, your customer growth milestone, and your new market penetration milestones and set some goals for yourself. Uh, it'll help you feel like you're on this journey and you're making progress because progress progress begets progress. If you do one or two innovative things and you enjoy it and, and you can see how your strategy is going to correlate with that, you're going to do many more. Uh, entrepreneurship is not something you do. It is a philosophy that you bring to life. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it and I look forward to answering any questions that you might have.